Hello and welcome to Duelist Community Raw, episode 34. I am not spiritual, which means that I'm not afraid of covering anything, talking about anything, no matter how taboo it may seem to a society that gets uncomfortable when certain topics get brought up. We're not afraid of covering any and all of those topics because if they're in reality, as far as we're concerned, they are not off limits. Absolutely. I am wise enough to be foolish and yet foolish enough to be wise. And I have something to say. And so I'm going to say it because I could judge myself. I could run it through the filter of who I think I should be. Or I can look at what I'm trying to say as the authentic process that I'm going through and represent. And whatever it is that I'm speaking to you is at least honest. It's at least coming from a place where I know it's me rather than the me I think you want it to come from. So with all of that said, I hope you enjoy this live stream that is Duelist Unity Raw, episode 34. Oh, I'm excited. It's the beginning of another week. It's funny. I went to bed last night and I actually thought to myself, I'm excited to go to work in the morning. And my wife said, and it's a Sunday. And I had such a good laugh at the fact that I didn't even think of it, about the fact that it was Sunday. I was just excited to get back to this conversation. And at that point, I didn't even have anything I really wanted to say. That is not the case this morning. Um, I'm not going to get into it yet. I'm going to pass it over to Andrew because he's been busy. He's been doing all kinds of stuff on Instagram, social media, putting out fucking epic posts with some serious gems. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more of what the fuck you've been up to, man. Uh, yeah, it was a fun, uh, fun weekend. It's interesting. There was a number of things that happened that um, I was kind of like, I uh, just recognizing the flow of things. So it started and oh, fuck, it's just kind of hitting me right now how many different things things happen but uh you know what let me uh i'm taught i'm i i'm getting on instagram live here to get people in so uh, hold on all right uh there we go okay um so yesterday morning my brother and i were uh gonna go ski we had talked about it a couple days before like yeah let's ski saturday morning just you know an hour or two um i forget to get a you have to like buy a parking spot in advance because the parking lots are too small to accommodate for everyone and I, I didn't uh didn't uh i forgot to the night before and so we checked in the morning we were like halfway ready and i was like oh shit i didn't get that parking spot let's check sold out and then we checked the traffic it was like a lot of traffic to get there and my brother was already half half in half out and i was like i, I mean i would have liked to go but you know what yeah it's it's fine we just just left it we were like ski another day we'll ski next weekend and uh and then so I was kind of sitting there because sometimes when you have a plan and and you have this idea that like you're going to be somewhere for two, three hours, then you're not. Then it's like, oh, boy, what what do I do now? And so I've been having um, since uh, I've had two ACL surgeries on my right knee. And I, so I was like, all right, I haven't I haven't addressed that. I have not that I haven't addressed it, but um, one of my knees has been just like bothering me not in a painful way but the one i got surgery on um ever since i fainted last about a year ago um it's always just feels kind of kind of funky and so i was like all right i haven't been i've been sort of looking into that but let's like really dig in and so i was on google looking through things trying to figure out like what causes 
knee tight. My quads are really tight. So I was like, that's probably has to do with something, uh, with it. So I was looking into it and I, I realized and something that hit me from like, I was told five, 10 years ago, was that my hip internal rotation. And I promise this is all, this is all going somewhere. Uh, my hip internal rotation is really bad. So like when you're, if you're standing up and you turn your foot to the, to the outside, that's your external rotation. So I was like always super flexible that way. And then turning inside, like if you're a pigeon toed, you can kind of feel your hip turn in super limited for me. So it, it, I was looking into that and I was like, oh, that, that may have to do with it. And I realized, oh, that would make a ton of sense why I've torn my ACL because if, if my hip isn't able to turn in, then, and it stops at a certain point, then the knee continues to turn in. And as the knee, the knee's not meant to twist, it's meant to bend like a hinge. And I was like, oh shit, that definitely is part, probably part of the reason. And so I spent like an hour digging into hip internal rotation mobility stuff uh, because this, this, my knee has been something like the one thing on my body that's just been like annoying me for a very long time. And I I've been sort of working on things to, to deal with it. And I knew it probably wasn't something like in my knee, it was probably an imbalance somewhere else. So I think I figured out that it was my internal rotation on my hips. And so I worked on, I did like an hour of just exercises focused on that. And my knees started to feel like way better. It was like it unlocked something. And so I think part of what happened yesterday was that was something that was kind of on my mind. It was always something there, um, whether I was directly thinking about it or not. Um, and, and so as that went away, there was almost like more space for, it was like a, a layer got torn off. And so there was space for you know, certain insights to arise. And so, um, we went and, and worked out and then I, uh, I went on a run. I want to try running, running high, I worked out high last week, wanted to try running high. And so I did, um, went great and then got back and was still, still pretty high hanging out was, was about to eat food. And then it, that, that video I posted that last one kind of hit me as I was making food. I don't know what the initial sort of process of that coming together was, but it was just a deeper recognition of always being here and, and going through it hit me in a, in a different way. And I know, you know, we've talked about this before, but that there's no preferences. God has no preferences. And, and that includes experience. It's just experience. There is no side of the spectrum that I cling to. It's all of it. And so if that were the case, then everything from everything happening in all of reality right now would be something that I if my primary goal was to just experience that I would, you know, want to experience. And it just hit me in a different way. And I was like, holy shit. And uh, then the video sort of came together real quick. And then I just ran over to my desk and I was like, all right, I got to film this. Like my, my, I was halfway done making dinner, was about to eat. I just had to stop all that and, and film that video because it just hit in a different way. So it was interesting just the sequence, looking back at the sequence of events yesterday, how, you know, if I hadn't not gone skiing, wouldn't have looked into my knee hip stuff. If I haven't, hadn't done that, started to feel better that, you know, thought that's always kind of in the back of my head about it, trying to figure out what the hell's wrong with it would have still been there. Maybe that insight wouldn't have arose. And it just like, it hit me, that insight hit me more deeply than it has. It was like a, another depth 
to it. And then the rest of the night, I was just being God <laughs> and have been uh, ever since. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of, that was kind of my day yesterday. That is awesome. And I would find it especially funny just because I, I think I communicated this previously, actually. So much of my life recently has been tuning into my body, trying to address old injuries, but doing so in, in the same systemic way of kind of listening to my body and going, yeah, but the pain's there. That doesn't mean that's where the problem is, right? And kind of trying to find my way through until you find another spot and you're like, ah, ha, ha. I didn't even think about that. And for me, it's been um, my lower back and the different muscle groups in there for my lats and whatnot. And so I've had to get familiar with all of that stuff, which has caused me to twist in different ways and turn in different ways. And I just want to give a brief shout out to cannabis for being as awesome as you are, uh, because it's great to be able to just get a little high and really feel your body. But it's interesting because I think that was the contributing factor to the insights that came later. We always talk about this, about how it's not necessarily the philosophy. It's not about the high-minded conceptualism. It's not about self-reflection all the time. It's really not about constantly thinking about yourself. It really is about sinking into the present moment that you are having, whether that's stretching or it's doing the dishes, it's taking a walk, it doesn't matter what it is. The deeper you are in that moment, the more you're going to get out of that moment. And I genuinely believe that those especially deep moments where you are involved in your own inner processes, as with stretching, it actually takes time for all of the insights that you take in during that period to translate as language and concepts later. And so I always find it interesting after a deep session of stretching or a deep session of doing some martial arts, the whole afternoon after that is just insight after insight after insight, whenever you're truly present. And it's just because it's like you've gotten out of the way, you've created less of a roadblock. And so your intelligence is just flowing, which makes you wonder, what are you getting distracted by the rest of the time? Yeah, that uh, that's a great point. Oh, man, there's always there's always something there that doesn't have to be almost that that isn't necessary but it's almost like makes me wonder if that's sort of a uh a subconscious avoidance uh you know excuse to not go deeper in a way is is holding on to the to the uh i don't know little minuscule things that aren't as important as as they would be if we were to even you know going back to the video I posted before about death, kind of recognizing, you know, what's really important. Like how many of those little, little things do we cling to? Because we think that, I don't know, I don't even know why necessarily, because we want something to cling to, I guess it all comes back to the desire for, for certainty in, in a way, the clinging to certain things, but through the recognition that you know, it could, you know, this iteration, this, this, I, the illusion could end at any point without your decision, almost with that, you know, idea of death, as much as it isn't real, um, the recognition can help kind of bring you back to what's important. And that can be a way for people to let go of the little things. And then as you do, there are more opportunities for 
other insights to arise as you as you understand that you don't have to cling to those things anymore. And so I think with and with the stretching even too, it's just it's not the stretching, but it's the opportunity to be focused, as you said, and and go deeply into something. And even the other day when I worked out high, I stretched afterwards and I was like, I was talking on Patreon. Like I felt like I was inside of my body. Like I was, my awareness was more, uh, so much more attentive to where it, where it felt certain things. And that, you know, I was working on the stuff I worked on yesterday too. So that may have been one of the initial sort of threads pulled that I, that I recognized then yesterday. Um, but yeah, it's just about how deeply you can go into the experience you're having, but that can be with anything. It doesn't have to be just with stretching literally anything in your life as you go deeply into it, because that's the extent of your life. So might as well go as deep into it as you possibly can. Right. Yes, I would say you might as well, but that is not currently one of our focuses as a society, because we're so busy in time and running from one thing to the other, defining ourselves, doing all those things. And so let's just say that you can't, in fact, get out of your head. You don't understand the whole thing about depth and being where you are and really feeling who you are, because that's really what you are. You're like, it's weird. It's like I was inside myself. It's like, that's hilarious. Where else are you? But we never see it that way, right? And so I would like to get into a topic today um, forgive the pun that has popped up a few times in the last week or so, not just with two people, but with several people messaging me privately about this specific problem. I don't know why this happens, but it seems to go in waves. Um, so for anybody who's not comfortable with the conversation of sex, uh, masturbation and porn, you may want to leave this episode right now because I have shit to say. So I think one of the biggest problems with the entire thing about masturbation is this old world Catholic moral mentality. And a lot of people don't understand that in the Bible, it kind of implies that if you masturbate, you're wasting your seed and therefore committing a sin, but it doesn't really say that necessarily. You know, it was a very specific event in Leviticus. And, and the whole thing was, you know, if you do that, go and give two doves to a priest so the point being is that it really didn't make any sense. And it was an old world thing. But as with all things in Catholicism, nothing goes without judgment. And so that includes masturbation. But the question of masturbation also goes to the question of dopamine. Because a lot of people will say, oh, well, you're just ch chasing dopamine. You're just chasing dopamine. Okay. Let's say that's the case. What is that? Why is that? Right? It's because of the very mess of distractions that Andrew was just talking about. It's about that hell that you can't get out of where you can't relax, you can't de-stress, you can't in any way let go of your tension and be where you are because you're always on the run in some illusion, right? And so when you're in hell and you're stressed all the time, what's the logical thing? You go looking for pleasure. You look for a cessation to your pain, okay? So just as an example, before we go any further. If you would like to join me in this exercise, I encourage you to do so. And uh, if you hear the snowplow that's driving by from time to time, I do apologize, it's winter. Close your eyes, do me a favor, just close your eyes. 
I want you to sink into the moment that you're in right now. I want you to feel your body and you can feel your skin and you can feel the air around your skin and you can feel everything within you being this warm void of you. And then there's everything outside of you, but can you feel your skin? Do you feel how it feels like there's almost something touching you? And in that, remember, you don't know what it is you're feeling, but I want you to remember a time when your eyes were closed, it could be any time, when you were being held by someone who cared for you, by someone who loved you, someone who was protecting you and accepted you. There was nothing to be afraid of. All possible mistakes from the past were forgiven and any suffering or challenge that came forward from the future would be dealt with together. There is nothing to fear in this place and you can feel them holding you very gently, just guiding you, not hugging you or, or squeezing you, but just gently cradling you in this moment, like a warm blanket. Feels nice to be accepted and loved and here in this warm place together, doesn't it? Everything you just experienced would have been translated as you, in your brain as a flood of dopamine. Does that make it wrong? Does that make it a bad thing to experience? Just because for a brief moment, you let go of all of your pain and experience some of the pleasure of just being you? Is it, is it a bad thing? Is it a sin? Is it something to judge yourself for? Because you took a brief moment to escape the hell that you're always putting yourself through. No, it's not. But it is that easy to trigger dopamine. Dopamine is just pleasure. That's all it is. It's how your brain very much facilitates the experience of pleasure. So there's nothing wrong with going after pleasure in order to escape some of the pain that you are repeatedly enduring. It makes sense to do so, but therein is the path to addiction. So it's not that there's anything wrong with the dopamine or the pleasure. It's that we forget we need it in order to deal with the ongoing pain, to deal with the ongoing stress. And so when I hear somebody say, well, you know, I was masturbating the other day and I was thinking like, you know, should I be doing this? The real question is, what are you dealing with the rest of the fucking time? Shouldn't be judging yourself or whether or not you're giving yourself pleasure. Ask yourself, was it because you're going through hell the rest of the time? Is it because you're tense and stressed out? Because here's the thing, regardless of what you may have heard, okay, there are actual physiological benefits to masturbation. Here is Dualistic Unity's list of benefits to masturbating. It reduces tension. It reduces stress. It can help improve sleep. It can help improve your mood. It can help improve your self-perception unless you're doing the Catholic thing and beating yourself up for beating yourself off. It can relieve menstrual cramps. It can strengthen muscles in your pelvic and your anal area. So it's actually not a bad thing for your body on any level whatsoever. It is the shit you do in your head that's getting to you. Okay? Maybe you masturbate too much, quote unquote, okay? Why? Stress, tension, guaranteed. You take away the stress and the tension, you're not gonna feel the need to do that as much. Just let you know. Okay? It's not a hell-worthy trespass. It's not something to beat yourself up over. 
It's something to understand and to look at. If you judge yourself, it's like judging any other addiction, right? And what's worse is the judgment and the guilt is more likely to reinforce that addiction because now you have to run away from your self-perception even more. So you're going to look for something to focus on in order to, once again, get that flood of pleasure, that flood of dopamine to escape the hell that you were continuing to create for yourself. So I wanted to get into this very quickly because it's important and we haven't covered it up until now. We haven't gotten to the conversation because quite frankly, I have a 15 year old daughter and I do try to watch what I talk about in the house. Um, I gave my daughter a heads up this morning. I actually said, we're going to be discussing this on the episode today. So you may want to steer clear of the kitchen. She thanked me and has done so. But this conversation also goes towards porn. And porn is a different thing for a number of reasons. But it's not a different thing for a number of reasons. So here's the thing. The argument against porn is that it becomes addictive, that it actually rewires your brain, that it changes you as a person and your capacity to think. It actually rewires your brain over time to lower your intelligence and your attention level. So do cartoons. So does any escape focused on for too long. So it's not necessarily about the porn. In the same way, it's not about the masturbation. It's about what are you running from? And are you addicted to that escape mechanism? That's all it is. Whatever you're focusing on for an oversimplified version of pleasure is going to become familiar and addictive, and it's going to oversimplify you to the point where that's all you're thinking about is that tunnel vision. It's not about the porn. It's about any escape, any escape. It's not about, oh, we're just chasing dopamine. Oh, I'm just chasing dopamine. I'm a dopamine addict. No, you are in hell. You are in a fucked up system that is contradictory and makes you think about yourself far too much in a way that is unhealthy and toxic. And as a result of all that stress, all that tension, all that weight that is ongoing for the entirety of your fucking life, you're looking for some cessation. Beating yourself up for that's not gonna help. But understanding it might. Taking moments to dig in to the present, as Andrew was talking about, taking those moments to stretch, right? Get into your body, maybe not in the same way, but get into your body, right? Without the distraction and do that enough and you may actually start to feel a cessation of that stress and tension. And what you'll find is that you, you reach for those addictions, for those escapes, far less, far less. So I just wanted to throw that in there very quickly because we haven't, we haven't talked about it. And uh, it has come up a lot this week, oddly. So I figured that was kind of my hint. Talk about this. Yeah, that, that you brought up some fantastic points that uh, I, I wrote down at 19 minutes. Going to snag that clip. Dualistic Unity's reasons for benefits of masturbation or, or whatever you said exactly. That's going to make for a fantastic clip. But uh, you bring up a, a lot of interesting points because... You know, with that, I think the uh, the masturbation discussion it's it's very much involved in the in the how to be a man type stuff. You know, the Andrew Tate type mentality. A lot of those guys are pushing like, oh, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Like, there's all these fucking rules, and no one talks about 
the root or, or why we're doing it. They're just like, don't do this. And I think a lot of the discussion around, you know, the dopamine is that and and the way I thought about it when I was younger and because I didn't I did like the whole no fap, no masturbation thing for two years, two years, two years to the to the dot, actually. Um, it was it was about <laughs> uh oh, that'd have been a month into COVID. And I was like, that's it. No more of that. So uh COVID ended that for me, but it was it was it was a good time because there's you know there's there's repercussions to not doing so as well like because <laughs> we're because we're doing all this like a wet dream is a pain in the ass to deal with and if you're not doing that and you're not doing it in other ways because you know covid you're not around other people can't even you know get within six feet of people so there's no way to you know get that stuff done um you, there's going to be other ways for it to to happen and so like wet dreams were like started to become way more common i'm like fuck i'm now because at that point during covid i was my family my parents were moving into a new apartment but they, it wasn't ready yet so we were actually in a rental for uh, a few months that was pretty small it was like three rooms for for five people like certainly not super small but you know i was on a pullout couch for a few months there and it was just tighter quarters than we were used to. And so I was just thinking like, yeah, I'm, I'm really not trying to deal with changing the sheets in the morning, like wake up. I just have to say, oh yeah, I wet the bed or something. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, it's not urine. Uh, so yeah, that there was a number of things I'm getting really, uh, really into the TMI here, but fuck it. We're, uh, we're doing it. Um, so yeah, there was, there was that uh, consideration as well as a number of others. And it was just got to a point before part of the reason I stopped for a while was because it was something that was always on my mind and it did open up, you know, uh, when I, it was probably, so just to go into the whole nofap thing, the first month was difficult. That was like difficult. It was like, I had to tell myself, you know, don't do that. It was like, I still had the urges after about a month, like the urge went away, which was very, very interesting. And, and it's still, you know, there was, there was other ways. It wasn't that I was celibate for two years. I was just not jerking off for two years. Um, and so, but it was interesting that after about a month that, that urge went away, but then it got to a point where it was like on my mind in a different way. And, and so it kind of came to the, the pendulum as it always swings to the other side. And so eventually, you know, you got to find that find that balance and with COVID happening there was no more there was no more balance so I was like all right this is this is done but um with the going back yeah all right we're done with the we're done with the no faff for now um but with the uh all the Andrew Tate type mentalities there's there's this idea that dopamine should only be found in certain ways you know it shouldn't be found from the easy thing it should be found from the hard thing which is very understandable but I think what people don't recognize is that the the hard things, you know, building, building a lot of things that build the idea of yourself, accomplishments, successes that build the idea of you. If that's the best way to find the dopamine, but it's reinforcing the illusion that you're something separate from reality, if it's reinforcing the idea of you, how much benefit is it actually doing? How much benefit is it actually doing to society? Because the the whole messaging is that dopamine should only be found in ways that 
build the idea of you basically in, in finding the success in other things. But as Ray was saying, you know, with the, the dopamine release from hugging someone that you love, you know, a warm embrace, uh, a great conversation with a friend, those are not seen as progress to the ego. They're just doing something for the sake of doing it. And yet there's still dopamine being released, but that's not considered in the mainstream sort of narrative of where you should find dopamine. Dopamine should be found from, from having success, from getting, you know, an A on your test, from building a successful business, from, you know, having a post go viral on social media. Like that's good dopamine. It's like, it's still dopamine. And if you're not careful, if you're not considerate of the, the roots of it, of why, because you're still, there's still, as, as we were talking about with the dopamine released from masturbation, there's still the root, the suffering that you're trying to overcome through another way. And if you're not considering that there is a root and you're just going into the whole being a man sort of mentality and the right way to find dopamine, you're still likely avoiding something. You're still suffering and you're trying to just soothe that through other avenues, but it's not necessarily better or worse, especially not if it's reinforcing the root of your suffering being the idea of you. So yeah, I, I haven't thought about like that before, but yeah, know, makes sense. <laughs> oh, we just, we always put the cart before the horse. Like we always look at what we're doing wrong rather than why we're doing what we're doing. And it makes a world of difference. It really does. But I've said it before, you know, getting lost in your opinion of what you're doing makes it almost impossible to recognize the reason you're doing it. So if you're beating yourself up, you're not understanding what you're doing. You're not, you're not in a state of mind that can have the clarity to understand why you're doing what you're doing. You're just trying to discipline yourself, which unfortunately does dick it does nothing for you in the long term you're just going to need to continuously discipline yourself and it's just so you see how i use it in a ridiculous voice because it really is fucking ridiculous at the end of the day i mean there is a such thing as having willpower okay sure that is different than this regimented discipline where you got to do the same fucking thing every fucking day in the same fucking way otherwise you're weak bullshit bullshit it takes way more strength to be vulnerable. It takes way more strength to be fluid. It takes way more strength to be able to stray from the path briefly and come back without fearing it or judging yourself for it. Way more. Like, give you an example. Andrew is a fairly disciplined person when it comes to going to the gym. And by that, I mean, he has a fucking routine. He's been doing it for half his life, right? And so at one point that was, you know, I got to do this. Then it was, I like doing this. Now he just goes because, you know, that's part of his life. And that's, that's a great thing. But you'll notice yesterday or this weekend, he had a break in his plans. Couldn't do something as athletic in the same way that he wanted to. And so he spent some time just stretching. Rather than getting all bent out of shape. Oh, I can't get out there and do what I had planned. You know, this is what, it, what was the best thing for me. This was going to be great. He let it go. He became more fluid. And as a result, he found depth in himself. Not only did he get some physical benefit out of it, and he learned a bunch of shit about his body, you see everything how that all adds together, but he also spent some time in quiet. He also spent some time in self-reflection and as a result, changed as a person. But if you are disciplined in the traditional sense, you are following a structure that has no give. 
it cannot adapt to you. So that means you are always going to have to live within its limitations. And unfortunately, it's just like standardized schooling. It's not the same as the old master-pupil relationship. It's not the same as being with someone who actually knows you. You're just supposed to go through the structure and then you're okay. It's like, well, what about you as a person? You know, things are way more nuanced. Yeah, and and going into the gym stuff and that sort of, and just, yeah, the discipline in general, it's been interesting to see my shifts on of perspective on that because I've, as Ray said, I've been working out, I've been like lifting weights straight up since I was 13 years old, like fairly consistently. Um, and I just, I got into it when I was younger, my dad worked out and I just asked him one day, like, Hey, can I, we had this like, you know, home gym, sort of like the one machine thing that you could do a bunch of different things with. And I was like, I kind of want to start working out. And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll give you. So he wrote me a little program and I started following it, started seeing, you know, I was getting stronger. I was seeing my body change and it was fascinating to me. And I was just like, this is really cool. And, and so it was, it was not initially something that anyone was telling me that I had to do at all. It was just, oh, this is something I'm interested in. Just like people get interested in any hobby, you know? Um, and so over the years, it's been interesting. My shift though, in my perspective of it, cause I've been through, you know, when I talk about health, nutrition, stuff like that, it's only from a place of having experienced like everything about it. Cause with the gym came, you know, all the nutrition stuff. And I was reading the bodybuilding website when I was, you know, 13, 14, 15, like, Oh, got to eat this diet. You have to eat, you know, raw chicken unseasoned in order to build muscle and like, you know, all the chicken, rice and broccoli type shit. And, uh, I've always been very curious and, and figuring out like what, what is actually behind all of this. And so over the years, there's been a progression of kind of swinging back and forth between different perspectives, trying different things, seeing what, what works and not going into it necessarily with assumptions that it will or it won't um but just kind of finding out how seeing how it goes and so with my perspective with uh working out there's been a shift just in the past about year um that i used to very much have that that strict discipline sort of mentality and there have been points in my life where i've gone to the gym you know every day of the week maybe you know six days there have been points where i go to the gym two days and there was always something that I felt like I had to follow. And I, because I've been pretty good with the discipline stuff, there was, it almost became so habitual that I I couldn't not do it. Like I would, I would kind of beat myself up or feel so bad about myself that I just wouldn't miss it. Um, and what I've realized was, you know, the pitfalls of that, especially over the last year where, you know, now I still work out probably at least three days a week, kind of like every other, sometimes four, but it's it's very fluid. Like it's way more fluid. And if there's a day that I can't, or, you know, there's something else I want to do instead, maybe I want a little bit more time to, to work on some stuff here or, you know, read something or whatever. It's been the process of letting go of thinking that I'm doing anything wrong that has helped a ton because that's what gets in the way. Like there's 
nothing right or wrong with going to the gym a lot or not a lot, but if you do build a sort of routine, you can become just as addicted to that. And not to say that it's a, as maybe detrimental of an addiction as, you know, crack cocaine, but it still is an addiction to seeing yourself in a certain way, seeing yourself as someone who goes to the gym six days a week and, and needing that in order to feel better. So as I felt more whole and complete myself, just inherently, there hasn't been so much a need to stick to anything so strictly anymore. And so I'm a lot more fluid with it. And, and the process really has been on the days where I thought I was going to go the night before, maybe I set my gym clothes out. I was like, better do it. And then I wake up and I'm like, I'd rather do this. How quickly can I let go of the idea that I should be going to the gym? Because that's really it. That's the process is how quickly you can let go of the idea that you've done anything wrong. Because for a very long time, I was just relying upon that, that I was going to feel bad if I didn't go. I was going to feel worse about myself. It's like that. That's only reinforcing an illusion. That's reinforcing your idea of yourself. And so you can absolutely set a schedule, make plans, but as that shifts, how quickly can you become okay with that shift? And I think that's one of the the core processes to letting go of the idea of yourself. It, it certainly goes hand in hand with it. Yeah, I would say absolutely. I just wanted to take a brief moment and give a shout out to everybody who is currently joining us in the comment section on our live stream. Uh, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. It's our Sunday sermon, quote unquote, I guess. Uh, so we appreciate you being here and spending time with us rather than going to some church somewhere or, or just hanging on your own, really, because I mean, you can do anything you want. And the fact that you're spending time with us here means the world to us because it means the community is growing. It means the conversation is growing. It means that Andrew and I are not just talking to each other, though I guess we are always talking to ourselves regardless. But uh, I wanted to go in another direction. Well, actually, it's not a, another direction, but it's kind of on the same tangent. And this is something that, again, I have to bring up because it comes up frequently and not as a question, as a behavior. So this is a different thing. Self-acceptance versus self-honesty. They are not mutually exclusive, which means that you can accept that perhaps you masturbate too much, quote unquote, too much. And you know what too much is based on whether or not it's getting in the way of your life you know that, okay? Or uh, perhaps you're addicted to a certain drug or perhaps you have an unhealthy eating habit, okay? It's important to accept yourself. It's important to, to look at those things and go, right, I got here because of a specific reason. These are habits that I've developed over time because of the tension and stress and hell and story I've told myself and all of these things. You can accept all of that and not beat yourself up for it. On the other hand, there's also the importance of being self-honest, which means that once you've taken judgment out of it, you should be able to ask yourself whether this is hurting you. Honestly, take the ego out of it. In other words, if it hurts to admit that perhaps you eat too often as an escape, that's your ego. 
If you remove your ego, you can still recognize that you eat too often as an escape and do something about it. But it's less likely to happen if you're beating yourself up. It's less likely to happen if your ego is still involved. But self-acceptance is not the only part of this journey. Self-honesty is a big part of this journey because it's what allows you to change. Self-acceptance gives you the space to change. Self-honesty gives you direction. It's what allows you to look at the direction that you've been going in and change it. But without self-honesty, without being able to look at yourself and go, yeah, this is hurting me. And yeah, I'm kind of addicted to it. Yeah, this is hurting me. And yeah, I'm using it as an escape. Without being able to do that, you're just going to keep doing it. And you can accept yourself right into the grave. Keep that in mind. You can be totally forgiving of all of your addictions, all of your escapes, right up until the point they kill you. So the question is, what's important to you? Yeah, there's a... Uh... <clears throat> I, I'm glad you brought this up because I know we talked about it a little last week and said, yeah, we, we should um, address this. And there, there's on top of this, there's the whole narrative of, you know, when someone's judging you, doesn't it has to do with their internal state, you know, it's coming from them, blah, 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 all that stuff, which absolutely is the case. But just because someone judges you, and it's coming from their own insecurities doesn't mean they're a hundred percent wrong also. And a lot of times we use the narrative that, Oh, they're in, they're in a bad place and, and they're not feeling great in themselves, which is the case for sure as an excuse to not be honest with ourselves and think maybe they are coming from somewhere. Maybe there is something that I am avoiding. Maybe there is something that I could, face and and we've gotten so far in our in our society towards radical acceptance of of everything and everything about us that it's gone so far it's like the pendulum swung so far that it's now an excuse to face all of those things and we avoid we're able to avoid things because again there's there's nothing wrong with you and and you can recognize that and that as ray said is the first step that sets the groundwork because a lot of times as we've talked about with addiction before it's the idea that there is something wrong with us that causes the discomfort that causes the stress that then leads us to continue doing the thing that we think that that's continuing allowing for the thing we think is wrong with us to continue and we don't necessarily connect those two. So as you let go of the idea that there's something wrong with you, some of that stress drops, some of that resistance drops, and then you're able to see what's actually happening and have some honesty with yourself and, and recognize that, oh, maybe I am doing something to hinder my ability to experience this reality as fully as I possibly can. But that comes down to you. And we've there's been such a narrative of you know, acceptance, et cetera, et cetera, that we've been able to utilize it as an avoidance tactic. And no one, no one can tell you to change. No one can force you to change. But it is very important to be honest with yourself 
And that's another discomfort that we don't always want to face. But just because something's uncomfortable, just because it doesn't feel great for us to admit it, doesn't mean that we shouldn't. And this goes back to feeling better versus getting better. That initial recognition that that person who judged you, that said something about you that made you uncomfortable, might not be wrong completely, doesn't feel great. <laughs> but it can allow you to look at it. And again, as you as you remove that ego, as you remove that sort of defense mechanism, you kind of see everything from more of a neutral spot. And it's like, it doesn't mean anything about your value, what they said, but it could be an opportunity to recognize a lifestyle change that you may be able to make. But that comes down to you and you're the only one who can change anything about your life. Truly, you have to be willing to do so. But there is a lot of importance in being honest with yourself because it will actually lead to getting better, which almost never starts with initially feeling better. That's okay. And it helps to remember that, as always, and we've mentioned this before, the system that you're a part of doesn't really want you to accept that you can change. Like It wants you to feel good so you can continue on and continue to participate in the system and the mentality that drives it. But you taking responsibility, you actually looking at yourself honestly without the ego involved, without necessarily judging yourself and feeling diminished just because you can change something. That mentality of responsibility, of clarity, of awareness is the last thing that this system wants to encourage. Because if you are able to take responsibility for changing your life and changing your direction, then you're also willing to take responsibility for changing your world and your relationships with everyone. And that undermines everything that this system very much wants to put in place. And so you are more likely to hear, stop fat shaming me, then thanks for pointing that out. Because the system would rather focus on the egotistical insult rather than the honest conversation that perhaps we can do more for people in terms of changing their lives. And I don't mean encouraging people to exercise more. I don't mean encouraging people to eat healthy. See, that's the thing. We're kind of going back to that whole dopamine argument. I mean, stop making a world that's so goddamn stressful that whenever they have a chance to relax, the only thing they want to do is sit the fuck down and eat something. Let them work less. Let them have more of their life. Watch what happens. All of a sudden, they're making healthier choices. All of a sudden, they have more to appreciate and therefore more of a drive to continue appreciating it. Changes everything, okay? But it isn't just about our culture and, and our society's take on say health, right? Or changing your mindset as a whole. It's also their goddamn take on trauma. So I'm gonna complain a little bit here about the movie Smile. If you haven't seen the movie, you may wanna skip the next five to 10 minutes of this because there's spoilers involved with what I'm gonna say. Andrew? Eh, if you watch the movie, great. I'm just going to tell you right now, you're probably not going to dig much out of it. So here, here's, here's the thing, is that the movie is making a point, okay? It's a horror movie for anybody who's not familiar. And, and the point is about mental health and trauma. That trauma passes from person to person, that it is like a curse and that you end up wearing a smile that's very fake, regardless of the pain that's actually happening inside of you. 
Okay, and the movie does a great job. The acting is actually pretty solid in this movie. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not that scary. Really, I wasn't that impressed. And towards the end of the movie, as they're making this point about the curse and trauma being related, okay, the main character actually comes to the point where she recognizes the demon or the curse needs trauma to pass to another person. So if you are not passing trauma to another person, you're not passing the curse on to the other person. Then she has a realization that the reason that the curse is on her is because of her own past trauma. And she has this great scene where she's able to talk to someone from her past and deal with the trauma, the guilt that she's been carrying with her for her entire life. And it disempowers this demon. It's like, you know, your mind is so, so uh, welcoming. And she's like, it's my mind. And it's, it's a great fucking moment. You're like, yeah, take that mental health. Take that trauma. Fuck you. And then they do this weird twist where the whole thing gets turned around. So trauma, mental health, the demon wins. And you're like, do you even recognize how you just fucked the point that you were making throughout this whole movie? It's like somebody came in after the fact, or at least I hope this is the case. I hope it's the case that it wasn't the actual original writer who did this twist at the end. I hope it was some asshole executive who came in and go, well, you know, it's hot right now. Twist endings. We should just write a twist ending because otherwise the movie would have been awesome. It would have been really well done. I really would have enjoyed it, despite the fact that it would have had, you know, very much a we beat the evil ending, which I'm not a huge fan of. Anybody who knows me understands. I love movies that end with the evil winning for sure, especially when you don't see it coming because you don't see it coming. I love that. OK, this did not have that effect on me. This very much pissed me off. Like I was getting really into the point of trauma and mental health being something that we pass on to other people and that we can take accountability, we can change, we can change direction, that it's our mind. I love that. And then all of a sudden to totally pull the rug out and go, oh no, 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 no. You're not power. You're not more powerful than your trauma was complete bullshit. It just drove me nuts. But that is very much our society's mentality. You have a disorder. There is something wrong with you that can only be addressed through medication and someone with a certificate who can fix you like a fucking repairman. And it is the most bullshit line that unfortunately we tend to follow, we tend to listen to. And it's only because people with such credentials are, are implying it, right? Oh, it's only because companies with such large bank accounts are peddling it, right? It's also the fact that it's uncomfortable. We can accept our mental health issues, but can we be honest about the fact that we perpetuate them? Can we be honest about the fact that we have influence over them? Can we be honest about the fact that it's our mind? Regardless of what influences are working against us, it's our mind. Can we be honest about self-responsibility? Because the system the system wants you to think that there's nothing that you can do. It wants you to think that you're a victim and that the only thing that can help you is the pill they're going to give you, be it, you know, an actual pill or a metaphorical pill of something that, you know, can soothe that pain. But it doesn't want you to think that you can do it yourself because you can't make money off that. 
really like that's what a lot of it comes down to is they want to perpetuate this idea that you are a victim that your disorder can't be overcome that it's it's part of the fabric of of what you are because then it can sell you something then it can then you're vulnerable then you're in need of something outside of yourself to find peace and this goes back to the same thing with fucking religion with that uh sort of celebration of life church thing i went to last year for one of our family friends when the the pastor guy just kept honing on the hitting on the point that uh that you couldn't find peace in yourself you need god you need jesus in order to find peace it's impossible to find on your own and that's just another iteration of the system's mentality that it can't be found within you because that is that runs rampant then through everything in your life if you think it has to come from outside of you peace has to come from outside of you then everything has to come from outside of you it's like a complete mentality shift into needing something outside of yourself needing a medication needing love needing you know to interact with other people needing god all of these things it, it's the same sort of fucking narrative that that is just runs throughout our society and comes up in so many different ways. But, you know, going back to being overweight, being morbid, like so overweight that the system basically gets to make a shitload of money off you is what that comes down to as well. Because so of course they're going to push a narrative and anyone who thinks that, Oh, this is conspiracy. Just be honest with yourself for a second. If a system needs to make money off of sick people, it's not necessarily going to push a narrative or push ideas that makes everyone super healthy. Because if they weren't needed as much anymore, if everyone was able to take that responsibility in themselves, they weren't know inherently a victim they weren't given this life sentence of this disorder and therefore you know with the disorder comes a comes a uh, uh what's the word uh whatever medication that you have to fill a prescription that you have to fill week after week after week after week after week for the rest of your life because this is the fabric of what you are and the only way to deal with this is to take this little pill that they just so happen to make a shitload of money off of. So why the fuck would they ever want you to be able to figure that out on yourself? Why would why would they? Of course they wouldn't. Of course they wouldn't. So they're gonna there's gonna be this narrative that it's it's a chemical imbalance. It's it's what you are. There's no way to overcome it. I'm not saying that there isn't something there, but to think that it's a sentence for the rest of your life is out of whack. But of course, a system who relies upon you needing their medication in order to feel a little bit better in order to, you know, that's the only thing that can fix the thing that you're dealing with. Of course, they're going to push the idea that it's something that you have to deal with for the rest of your life. It is, it's what you are, just what you are. And then people will take that and run with it because they want certainty. They want to be sure about themselves, even if it is a disorder that costs them a bunch of money. At least they can be certain about something. But of course, a system 
is going to push this thing that they make money off of and the mentality that perpetuates the idea that that you need it for the rest of your life because they want to make money and they make a lot more money off of people who have disorders, who are severely overweight and all those things than, than someone who takes responsibility for themselves. Unless, of course, they're changing direction for their ego. That is one thing the system has no problems with. What's that? You want to lose weight so you can look better and attract other people? No problem. Here's all the protein shakes and energy drinks and everything that you could possibly want. And this is the thing. Like, How many people do you see who are going to the gym, you know, four or five, six days a week and still eating garbage, right? Or still just being egotistical assholes about it. Like they're not going for their health is what I'm saying. They're going for how they look, which the system has no problem with at all because that leads to more marketing right so it's just the cessation of stress our system doesn't dig it it's not really all about it because again if we relax too much we're not going to be productive by its standards right but we shouldn't be productive by its standards at all i was uh, listening to an interview the other day um Christ, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Richard Wolf. Anyway, he was talking about capitalism and how capitalism may have had a chance at one point of fulfilling the needs of humanity, which was to create a more equal and free society. But this is where it went wrong. So he gives this example, and I'm not taking credit for this. It's a fucking great example. Okay. So you have a factory with workers and an owner. So the owner sells the product that the workers make, pays the workers, pays for the next round of materials for the next product, and makes a little bit of profit on top. Okay, that all makes sense. That's the capitalistic vision. You're the owner, you put in the investment, you're making all this thing, the things happen, you get a little bit of profit for your time, for all of your risk and your investment and everything else. Makes sense right? All the workers benefit. So now all of a sudden here comes technology and technology creates a way for you to create the same amount of output with half the amount of workers. So now you have halved how much you have to pay the workers and therefore made more profit for yourself. But all of those workers are now unemployed. And that is the typical mentality of our current capitalistic system. But there was an option there that nobody considers because we're egotistical, greedy motherfuckers. Can I tell you what the option was? The owner could have given everyone half a day off and continued to pay them the same amount and made the same profit he was making originally. He didn't have to fulfill his own pockets more than everyone else. He didn't have to fire anyone. Every single person could have had half their day to live. And that's where capitalism fucks up with us. Damn, that is a good example. Oh, man. I, I was trying to think of like, what's what's the kicker? What's the kicker? And uh, I was like, is he going to just pay the unemployed people a, a salary? It's like, no, that, that actually, oh, man. But yeah, that fucking... Ego, that identity, we think we're more because we make more money. We think we're more valuable because we make more. And that, you know, that uh, the owner thinks that it is 
benefiting from something that could allow for all of society to benefit like very much could have done that but you know because them making more money means more about them and makes them more of a of a valuable asset to to society in their own eyes and in society's eyes they have to take that route they have to take that path because the the other end of it would be recognizing that their value doesn't waver oh their value actually doesn't go up from making more money and so why wouldn't they want to help help reality a little bit but it's all rooted in that like we were talking about last week with uh you know the the mentality being the trunk and the roots of the tree and all of these things that we're trying to deal with, you know, all of the atrocities and all of reality are, are the branches and the leaves on the tree. And we're, we're avoiding that recognition that your value doesn't waver. It actually doesn't go up when you make a fuckload more money than everyone else. If we were to, were able to recognize that, our entire perspective would would shift on everything that we do, everything. And it comes from that. And as much as people are like, oh, that's such a basic shift. Oh, recognizing my value. And it's like, that basically is the reason that our society is the way it is. That's that's what it comes down to. Because people think their value can go up and down. So they're always trying to raise it because they never feel like it's high enough. Because we're existing in comparison. You can always compare yourself to anyone and anyone's going to have more than you. You know, even someone who makes less money, maybe they have more time. And then you're like, oh, I need that, but I also need the money because that person over there has more money than I do. And so we're constantly comparing to everything. And we always feel like we're not enough because we're always existing in this through this idea of ourselves that, you know, has value and can be judged and can be, you know, raised and lowered and all this shit. And really it comes down to just recognizing that it doesn't waver no matter what. No matter what you do, no matter how much money you make, no matter how many things you have, no matter how much people, how many people like you, doesn't make it go up. So therefore, it can't go down. And once you get rid of that need for more, you start to recognize what is enough. You are enough, and it's not like nobody's doing this. It certainly does happen from time to time. It's just fucking rare. Uh, give you an example. There is a restaurant in New York that is owned by Bon Jovi, the singer. And in that restaurant, you can go in and not pay for breakfast if you're willing to just work for a little bit, right? Or somebody can actually pay for your breakfast for you, okay? And so he goes out of his way to basically make it possible for people who have less means to eat. And he doesn't worry about the profit himself. I'm sure he pays out of pocket, almost guaranteed, right? Well, why? Because he has enough. Like. How much fucking more do you need? And so he does something with it. John Stewart, regardless of my views about John Stewart and his stance on, on COVID, I love John Stewart as a person, everything he's ever represented as a person. He's just an incredible, reasonable person who has a tremendous amount of, of insight and heart. And upon leaving the Daily Show where he was making good coin, he opened a fucking farm for animals that are injured or abandoned. That's what he did with his retirement. That's fucking awesome. That's awesome. Things like that, okay? So 
the problem isn't that it isn't happening here and there. The problem is, is that nobody's doing it to such a degree that it's absurd and unavoidable. Let's say uh, Elon. Let's say Elon, for example, was to change his stance on employees being there for his own good and was to stop trying to make them sleep at the office just so he could get more out of them and get more bang for his buck, could easily take a pay cut, could easily take a profit hit and give all of those people two hours a day to live. He could totally change his mentality. How many millionaires, how many billionaires, how many rich fucking people, regardless how you want to look at it, just have way more than they'll ever spend? Just ask yourself that. It's not like, oh, well, they should have the right to have it. Sure. Okay. They should have the right to have it. Fine. I would like to take you out to an island, just you and I, where all the food that I find is just mine. Was, does that seem fair to you? We're in it together, aren't we? Do we not both benefit by working together, by sharing, by generally making sure we're both going to be here tomorrow? It's a fucking limited mentality. And it comes back to the ego. And so dualistic unity. And it's funny because Andrew and I first started this 17 months ago, something like that. It's been a while. We're coming up to our second retreat. Um, and we were talking about this. And of course, Andrew and I don't want to, how do I put this? We're not out to be filthy, stinking rich. Let's just say. And for different reasons. The, the point is we just don't need it. At the end of the day, it's not like there aren't resources or the ability to come up with ways to do things. It's not like we don't have skills or, or time to put into certain endeavors. It's not, it's, we have the ability to, to adapt and change, but we don't need so much money where we're getting more, regardless of you not getting anything from this. See, dualistic unity really is meant to be for everyone to some degree. Right now, it's mostly just the discussion because honestly, that's all we have to offer you. But we also offer our time as often as we can, the free public groups, the Instagram lives, the TikTok lives, things like that. And then we have Patreon, which we've made as cheap and affordable as possible because we still have to pay our bills. If we're gonna do this full time, we need to survive in the system, but we have a cap on how much we wanna make in terms of how much we need to survive. And then after that cap, everything goes back into dualistic unity. And the reason it goes back into dualistic unity is because we want to be able to lower ticket prices for the retreats. We want to be able to offer free events. Hell, I want to be able to at one point, and this is something we're working on kind of in the background, have some actual certified counselors that are willing to work with DU for our listeners, where we can actually help subsidize some of those appointments, or we, wherein we can actually make that something that's more accessible for you. But the only way that that's going to happen is through us, unfortunately, making more money, making more resources, which is why the podcast is so important in terms of attention, in terms of getting the word out there, in terms of telling other people. If you can't support us on Patreon, just being here does worlds of difference because all of those corporations that are so invested in you not being free, they're willing to pay for us. They're willing to pay us for advertising space that you're probably not going to listen to because you've been listening to us telling you not to bother listening to them. So they're going to give us money so you can ignore them, so we can create a system that works against them. And so you just being here, you just taking responsibility, you having the courage to question yourself, the courage to listen to this, the courage to at least entertain the conversation that we're having, does everything that we need.
But that said, if you would like to help out monetarily, join us on Patreon. Uh, you can join tier one, tier two, or tier three. At the end of this hour, we will be on Patreon for our two tier call, our tier two call, two tier, tier two. We will be on our tier two call uh, for an hour and a half, and then our tier three call for another two hours after that. So we get to chat for another three and a half hours after this, if you would like to join us on Patreon. And that is really the only way right now, monetarily, you can support us. You can't donate to us because at the moment we don't really have a donation button. You can buy our workshops, of course, or you can subscribe on Twitch, which is also very helpful. Amen. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a fun journey. Absolutely. Yeah. Coming up on 17 months um, at the end of this month, because, yeah, I started end of September. Um, so, yeah, that'll be yeah 17. Damn. Almost a year and a half. Um, it's been a blast and it is something that's it's it's kind of like molded as we've gone like we still have no idea what what's happening here what's really happening but as we've gotten more of an understanding of what's sort of going on we've and really it's it's come down to you know, at first it was podcast strictly conversation and now it's very much more of a, a community and a lot of people recognizing themselves, you know, letting go of the idea of themselves and recognizing the reality of what they are. And that's going to, you know, change everything. Cause it all, it all ties in together, even, you know, going back to the discussion of, of how much, how much you need, how much you really need. A lot of people's argument for that is, well, I need enough to sustain my retirement. You know, I, I need enough for so that I can stop working at some point. And we were talking about this uh, last week that we've always, for all of eternity, worked. All of humanity, we've we've always done something, and we've gotten to a point now where we've kind of created this trajectory, this blueprint, where you know we we work for a certain amount of time and then we do nothing for a certain amount of time. Because so many of the things we do for that certain amount of time, we fucking hate. It's not what we want to do. Why do we do that? Because we want to feel more valuable through making more money. So in order to make a shitload of money, a lot of times the, the jobs that pay you the most are the things that are the least fun. And I'm not saying that all the things that you do, you know, like taking out garbage is not a fun job that most people want to do but and so they get paid more than you know another job that people hate but then far beyond that in an entirely different category there's the the banking and all of that like no one no one grows up wanting to be a fucking banker they don't no one grows up wanting to be in finance why do we why do we get there and that's not to say everyone i do have one of my best friends actually has always been fascinated by that stuff since like early on in high school. And he does it now. So like, it's not everyone, but 99%, I think at least do it because they want to make a shitload of money because they think their value is derived from that. And so they work. And especially in a job like that, like your hours can be in insanely terrible, you know, like basically sleeping at the office type stuff. And it's because you're, putting in your dues in order to, you know, by the time you're 30, 35, making a few million dollars a year because it adds 
to you. You think you're more valuable because you do that. And so you spend your entire life doing that, trying constantly to feel more valuable. And so then you get to a point where you're like, I want to stop doing this because I, I don't like it. It's not something I would do if I wasn't making any money. I would never, ever do this. And so then you have a period you know, of your life that you want to do nothing. But what if, you know, what if we let go of the idea that your value could be raised and everyone started doing things that they actually wanted to be doing? Because then retirement isn't as much of a thought like this that we're doing right now. I could do this for the rest of my life. If I had a billion dollars, this is what I would be doing. This is how I would be spending my days is having this conversation, talking about the recognition that you are reality itself, you are God experiencing itself. And so this is something that I could do for the rest of my life. So obviously we're getting to a point where, you know, we we're building a sustainable income, but then it stops and then it goes into everything that we're talking about. Then it goes back into the reality, not just that we're a part of, but that we are. Because why the hell wouldn't we? Because we don't need to make boatloads. Because why is that? For the security so that you can stop doing the thing that you're doing. Because you fucking hate it most of the time. So that you can go on living your life. That's why we feel like we need so much because we don't have faith in ourselves. We feel like we need that security because we don't want to do the thing that we're doing for the rest of our life because we fucking hate it. So we need an excess amount of extra savings in order to live out the rest of our life, not having to do the thing that we've fucking hated that we've done for 40 years of our life. So if we can let go of the idea that our value increases from making that excess amount of money throughout our life, then we would be more focused on doing actually fulfilling things throughout, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, as opposed to doing something we hate just to feel more valuable. And then, you know, retirement would be a completely different discussion because we would be able to do a lot more things for a lot longer. It wouldn't be this mentality of, of do something you hate and then do nothing. It would be do something that's actually relatively fulfilling. And then if that's a thing that you would do, if you could do anything, then there's no consideration of retirement. It's like retire from what? I don't know. Maybe when we get super old, we don't do as many retreats because travel gets tougher or something. Or you know, as things start to happen, more people get involved. We don't do this, you know six hours a day, five days a week. And we, we cut back a little bit, but it doesn't shift what we're doing and everything that's happening. Like this is still what we'd be doing when we're 80 years old. Oh, in varying different degrees. We have lofty ambitions, as we've said before. Um, actually on that note, I don't think we've ever actually gotten into this on the podcast, but at the moment, Andrew and I are not making enough to sustain ourselves <laughs> let's just say that um we don't make enough to pay rent we don't make enough to make to pay groceries we don't make enough to really count ourselves as being able to do this full-time at the moment we're doing it because we have uh 
resources in terms of people who are who are willing to help us or support us as we do this transition, as we try to put the time in, as we try to really just put everything we've got in terms of energy and attention into dualistic unity so that this can grow. And we are seeing a growth, like we are seeing a massive rise in how many people are listening to the podcast, how many people are tuning in. A lot more people have been buying the workshops, things like that. Patreon this month, we've seen so many new supporters and we are incredibly grateful for that. Um, a few people have reached out, not the least of which, of course, is Amanda, who we've who we've often mentioned and always want to thank. Thank you, Amanda, for being everything that you are. Um, there have also been a few other people, like Jake Miller, for example, uh, from Ripple Media, and they've offered to do some stuff for Dualistic Unity, just out of the kindness of their heart, in their free time, when they can, and we are incredibly grateful for that. And there are actually a few things that we would love to see more of. If anybody is available, if anybody does have free time and you would like to help out Dualistic Unity, there are a few things that we could really use. Uh, the first of which, of course, is more video editing. Um, Dualistic Unity has over 150 episodes now. And frankly, Andrew does just a bang up job of clipping them up as we go, but we didn't have the time to clip up the episodes up until we became full time at this in November or December. So there's 120 episodes that there are just no clips from. And those episodes have some great things in them. And so if anybody is feeling ambitious and would like to help us out. Um, if you have a video editing company, we are happy to give you a shout out on social media and thank you as often as we can for the work that you're doing. And of course, to spread the word to the rest of our community because we appreciate it. We don't have as much time as we'd like. It's just, it's Andrew and I on the one end and on the other end, it's just Amanda. And as powerful and fucking crazy uh, motivated, I, I'm going to say, I, I'm just going to say crazy, as crazy as Amanda is in terms of just fucking intensity, um, even she has her limits. Sorry, Amanda. So video editing is one of those things. If you are in the space where you're, you're having this conversation, maybe you have a podcast of your own about this conversation, or you have a social media channel where you're having this conversation, where you do live shows, that kind of thing, and you'd like to help us out that by maybe hosting a group on our Patreon page for our community once a month, maybe twice a month. We would love to have you on. It would be great to be able to say, this person's gonna be hosting this group on this day from this time and it helps the community and it spreads the word a little bit for what you're doing on the side. So that's another thing that we could do. Um, of course, I still have huge plans for the DAO and our NFTs. So if you happen to have experience and a sizable resume with smart contracts, uh, specifically in programming a DAO, I would love to talk to you. Uh, we have ideas. Unfortunately, it's going to cost you know 15 to 20 grand to realize those ideas, and we just don't have that. So anybody who has that skill set who would like to talk to us about that, obviously there's going to be long-term benefits being on the ground floor. You would be, you know, uh, somebody who has a stake in the ongoing performance of that DAO. So of course, there would be a benefit for you monetarily as it moves forward, if not at the beginning, because again, we don't have the money. So that's just one thing to throw out there. Uh, another thing, app development. If you develop apps, we have ideas for apps. Don't have the money to pay for them, but we've got shit tons of ideas. So if you would like to put in some time and develop an app for us, again, that's something that could turn out to be a uh, source of residual income for you in the long term. We are happy 
to spread the product to split the profit on any projects like this that help the dualistic unity community with whoever can help us make that a reality. Uh, a cannabis master grower that is admittedly a long term project we're not looking at doing anything with that right now, but it is something that we want to look at doing possibly in the next few years. Um, there is more to that discussion that still needs to be realized, which of course leads us to the very last thing on my list, which is potential investors. If this is something that you are interested in the vision of this spreading if you can see dualistic unity for what it is for what we see it is for what we see it can become and you would like to be a part of that then that is definitely something that we have options for um, of course we'd want to sit down and have a conversation with you but if that's something that you're looking at in terms of what to invest in to change the world if you have extra resources and you'd like to help out that way definitely get in touch with us absolutely yeah it's uh it's gonna be fun once once we are making that, you know, capped income that we've discussed, it's going to get really fun. Cause I think that that shift as that builds, as we get closer to that, I think we're going to see sort of like a shift in, in everything. Um, but yeah, until, until we get there, we're doing everything we can to get there. And like gas is absolutely pedal to the metal type type mentality which isn't going to isn't going to stop but it's going to be it's going to be shifted into cuz once we're accounted for then we can start thinking about all the shit you know we have an excess couple thousand 10 20,000 dollars one month it's like what can we do with this let's get a fucking billboard let's let's toss that up there make we'll some make some serious exactly pay someone's rent, set up a, yeah, anything like just crazy shit. And just cause we can, cause why not? But yeah, until then, you know, we're doing everything we can. And so everyone's support is greatly appreciated because once we get to that point, like the whole game's gonna, gonna change. Uh, but until we get there, you know, we, yeah, we, we'd love to get there, you know, before we have to go back into getting, getting another, job or something to be able to sustain ourselves and then because you know we're not going to be able to put that energy in there but for now it's very much just like push 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 let's let's get to that point um and do everything we can to get there so yeah support is is greatly appreciated and then you know that that list of things that ray had there is going to be you know once we can start paying a few other people too it's like that growth is going to skyrocket just because yeah as we're yeah, we're talking super often and then doing everything we can to to push the messages get videos out there get clips out there you know, everything we we possibly can and when that shift happens it's going to be i don't know it's going to be exciting i don't know what, what it's going to look like but it's going to be certainly very exciting <laughs> oh man i've i've often said you know <laughs> <laughs> God help the world if I ever have enough resources, because man, there are so many things that we can get in involved in that can help other people. I mean, the Dow was just was just one idea that we had started talking about in season one, uh, season two, season one, um, wherein owners of the Dow not only get uh, voting rights on what the Dow invests in, in terms of uh, NFTs that support 
charities or NFTs that support other conscious projects, but also in residual income. So every person who's a member of the DAO, every person who would own a dualistic unity NFT would actually end up getting residual monthly income just by virtue of being part of that DAO, which is doing more work in the world all the time. So, I mean, that's just one idea and we have a lot more. And of course, Amanda, who's a force, uh, is going to be with us in the April retreat. And we're going to be sitting down and shooting the breeze about a lot of these ideas. And so it's, it's coming. It's all coming together. It's just a matter of what can we do the most with today. And today, the most that we can do is have this conversation with you, with all of the attention that we can, to share what we can with you, to be vulnerable with you, apparently to talk about masturbation and porn with you, um, but just to be authentic with you and to let you know that we are enough for ourselves. The only thing we need to do is have enough to sustain ourselves. And then the rest is an overflowing cup. And what could we do with that mentality together? If we all know we're enough, if we all just need to get to a point where we're good, and then everything else goes back out into the world, everything would change. Everything would change, but it's got to start somewhere. And so I figure if it starts with two crazy assholes, three, if you include, include Amanda, just being willing to put it all out there, then so be it. This is where it starts. And with your help. Yeah, because even, even thinking about a society in which everyone recognizes that they're whole and complete in themselves just is fucking exciting to think about. And what's even more exciting is that it can start right now like it starts with you today letting go of the idea that you're not letting go of the things that are holding you back from recognizing that there's nothing wrong with you and taking responsibility for your life and not avoiding the things that make you uncomfortable but facing them and understanding that that's where the growth happens like as much as as cool as it is to think about an entire society that may be able to exist in that way it's even cooler to recognize that you can do it right now, like today. You can let that shit go. You can let go of the idea that thinking about yourself all the time is where your value is derived from. That if, if you stop thinking about yourself, that everything's going to fall apart. It's like, no, that's where freedom lies on the other side of that. So as much as we can think about, oh, the system has to change. Society has to change. Oh, we should be doing this. People should be doing that. Oh, look at all these people doing this. It's like, what about you? What are you doing right now, today? And for me, that's the most empowering thing. That's the most empowering message is that you can change all of reality right now through letting go of the idea that you're something separate, through letting go of the idea that you aren't enough, through letting go of the idea there's something wrong with you. And existing in that, in that state of freedom that is uncertain and becoming more comfortable with not being able to define yourself and just finding out what you're capable of. That's, that's the most empowering thing I think you could ever recognize is that you're capable of doing that today, capable of doing it right now. Um, and something else I, uh, I want to bring up because uh, Rainer um, brought up Wild Wild Country that documentary have you seen that or did you hear about like osho and and everything that he did um i forget the the typical term they call him i'm familiar but with osho but i don't know wild wild country okay bagwan i think he goes something like that um 
Yeah, I, I'd be curious because I actually I watched the first three episodes of it, and it's basically a group that they're very much, you know, Osho guy is like the leader. They're all looking up to him. He doesn't really do a great job of saying like, no, don't look up to me. You know, it's it's within you. They're all like fucking worshiping him, but they try and create, you know, a, a sustainable community. And I haven't gotten to the end or finds out like what happens. Apparently there's like a lot of crazy shit that goes down, but they're initially met with, they they try and build this community in a remote town in Oregon and they're met by the townspeople. There's only like 40 people in the town with just like, they have so much discomfort about them because they're different. And there's no real reason that they're like, they're just like, I just have a weird feeling about them. I just don't like them. I just don't like them. And, and it's just like classic, closed-minded, sort of boomer, white people mentality of like anyone who looks different or acts different or does anything different, like there must be something wrong. Um, but so far it's sort of the process of them doing their best to build a uh, sustainable community. And I'm not, I'm not going to get too into it because I don't know what happens towards the end yet. Um, but yeah, they're, they're faced with all sorts of crazy pushback from people who, initially and again i don't know where it goes but initially just don't like them because they're different basically and uh but it's interesting because i don't see them as so different from what we're sort of trying to do but it it is different because they very much had a leader and they were kind of doing it all for for him like the the community was like a gift to him and it's like yeah that that certainly rubs me the wrong way but um yeah i'm definitely finding it interesting to see the the pushback from the collective ego uh as well to something that's different like that well i've spent a lot of time thinking about this and uh i think that there's a way to do it that doesn't get that pushback from the collective ego and the reason I say that, and this is what, the same reason I steer, steer away from being any kind of spiritual teacher or spiritual at all. Um, at one point I was looking at religion because religion, if you follow the guidelines as to what a religion is, you can declare a religion and it makes you tax-free, right? But with that comes that suspicion because there are so many scared religious people. But you look at Amazon or any of those giant goddamn corporations who not only get away with not paying taxes, but actually get rebates and shit from the government. Um, they don't get any suspicion whatsoever. And so, see, to me, it's finding that middle ground. I don't want to make a sustainable community. I want to make sustainable resources. So, you see, we were talking about a chunk of land, like the, uh, the first dualistic unity retreat center and microcultivation operation. So, basically, there'd be the retreat center for everybody in the dualistic unity community to come to at very, very low rates because we wouldn't have to pay rent to some other giant lodge. Um, microcultivation center where basically we would be growing uh, cannabis for medicinal patients or, or, or just the community as a whole, consumers. Because um, here in Canada, you can do that with minimal licensing. It's not really a lot of overhead. You can make up to $2 million a year just off of microcultivation license. And so that would be enough 
to fund not just the land, the land taxes, things like that, but you would also be able to build some housing on the property for the people who live there, who work at the retreat, who would help with the microcultivation center. You'd also have you know, a camping area for other community members if they want to come by, help out, learn a little bit about what they can do themselves on their own land possibly. But then that becomes an actual business that makes profit that goes back to the people in the retreat, goes back to the community, goes back into another chunk of land somewhere where now the people from one community can actually interact with people from another community who can maybe grow different crops in our geodesic domes, who can maybe do something else other than cannabis microcultivation. Maybe they're uh, cultivating hemp and help hemp clothing, hemp oils, right? Things like that. And so all of a sudden now we have two sustainable resources that are pulling in uh, income are recognized by society as being officially legit corporations operating as such, but then we can do charitable work. We can operate under the guise of being a corporation, make the system very happy. Nobody has to know shit. We don't have to come out as being like, we're going to change the world with God. We don't need to do any of that shit. We can just quietly get to work and change the fucking world. While we use these resources to sustain ourselves, to sustain the people who are helping us along, to help the community bit by bit until we build enough of a structure that has enough resources where we can actually start building more and more and more resources. We can and actually get more involved with communities that already exist rather than just having to create our own. Because each and every one of these chunks of land, once self-sustainable, can start working with the communities around them, perhaps can start working with the native tribes around them. There are things that can be done, but it requires a push to get to that point where we can build that engine that, that creates that amount of power or resources for the land itself and has access to push back into further projects that continue to build more sustainable resources. Because we don't need a sustainable community that separates itself from, from society. We need sustainable resources that help perpetuate our mentality so we can change society. We need a power plant for this shift in our mentality. We need many of them to keep us going because as long as we're trying to survive in this fucking stress, as long as we're trying to survive in this toxic mess that is this system, we're always just going to be chasing more fucking dopamine rather than rolling up our sleeves and getting to work. And that's that shift that uh, people don't want to face is where the addictions stem from. We're always, it's fascinating how we're always just looking at the addictions as being the problem, as opposed to, well, why are we grabbing for them? What are we avoiding? Like, it kind of blows my mind that that's not a common narrative. Eh, as always, it does and it doesn't. Um, you know, when you when you recognize what's going on, uh, it's not mind-blowing at all. But it is uh, it is very interesting. And as people live less stressful lives thinking that they always have to become something because even, even letting go of the idea that, you know, you have to become more like, I kind of experienced something like this, uh, at work the last six months at work. I was, I could have, if I had, you know, if I wanted to gotten promoted probably, but I didn't, I, I, I looked at the situation, recognized like, okay, yeah, my title would be different. I would get you know, X amount raise and whatnot, but I would have to put in all this extra work to like prove myself in order to get there as you had to do at my company to, to get promoted, like with everything. Um, or I could be okay with, with where I'm at, 
when I not get stressed about needing to be more, make more, do more. And I could put the attention I would have put there into, you know, dual unity and the content into all of those things. And so it, it really hit me how they always dangle that carrot in front of you and how it creates this sense of need. Like we can't just sit in the spot that we're at. We always have to be striving for something, but that with that comes stress with that comes all these things. And again, not saying that there's anything wrong with striving to become more, but if you are honest with yourself and you, you look at things for what they are and, and understand what you actually need, like I didn't need to make that extra money. Like I was, my expenses and everything were very much accounted for. And I was still able to save some money too. And so like trying to get to that extra point would have just added a ton of extra stress to my life, would have taken away from my ability to do other things in my life that I want. But it's like we're always on that hamster wheel, striving for the next thing, trying to become something more. And so as we let go of that need, as we let go of the idea that getting promoted means we're more valuable, like we... we it doesn't mean that you're not still going to try and get there again, absolutely nothing wrong with it, but you look at things a little bit differently. And, and as that stress drops, you don't feel like you need to grab on to all the other shit, all the other addictions, all the other things that allow you to not experience that stress that you're perpetuating the rest of the time. But no, that's not the common narrative because you know the system has ways of helping you cope with that stress and with those addictions and and all of it. There's ways to that there's pills they can give you as opposed to letting go of it yourself, as opposed to letting go of the idea that they make you more valuable. And there's people that you can judge, and people you can hate, people that are you can be afraid of that's all going to distract you from being yourself as well, right? And you'll notice that that's very much the big focus in terms of the media. Conflict and division, right? How much you are separate from everything else, how much there is for you to worry about. That focuses us so much on our fear that of course we look for a way to stop the fear. Of course we look for a cessation to our tension and our stress. Of course we look for an escape. Of course we do. Right. And we're not going to stop until we recognize the mentality that's driving it. That's the whole thing. Like, I'll tell you right now, I am a part of the world like everyone else. Okay. I actually actively watch, not watch, read. I actively read the news. I don't put myself in a bubble and go, oh, that's all very negative. Oh, the news, eh, it's all conflict, it's all bullshit, blah, blah, blah. I, I read that shit for sure. I'm well aware of what the fuck is happening in terms of like Russia and Ukraine and what's happening in the world. I haven't for a very long time. I'm aware of what's happening with the train and the whole fucking pollution thing over towards, uh, is it Michigan? I don't know. Obviously, I don't know exactly where it's happening. I just look at it as on the other side of the continent from me because I live on an island on the West Coast. And I live on an island on the West Coast because I'm aware of what's happening in the world, right? You have to understand, like, I'm aware of all this stuff, but it doesn't drag me down. 
Like I see what happened. Amanda was making a point about how that derailment is basically going to affect a good portion of the grain production in those states that are around that toxic mess for years to come, for sure. But there was also a bunch of shit that was already happening that we weren't aware of in terms of grain, grain production. So there's a lot. And this is all just kind of, you know, it coming to the surface. You can focus on that, but you generally will become afraid because you don't see it as part of a changing mentality because you don't see it as something that must happen for the addict to hit rock bottom. Whereas I look at this and I see us very much approaching the end of a party that should have ended a while ago. That's all it is. Okay. And you could say, well, that sounds really cold and callous because people are dying and suffering. And yeah, yeah, that's true. They are. And that's inevitable when you let the system get to this point. It's inevitable. This has been coming for a very long time. A lot of people have been warning about this for a very long time. We're going to continue to see inflation. We're going to continue to see crops go down. We're going to continue to see soil not producing the same amount of food. We are going to continue to see things get fucking harder because the system is based on a mentality that can't fix it. It can just run from it. That's it. And so once you recognize that that's addict behavior, once you recognize that that is the end before the addict has to wake up, you get a different perspective of what's happening. And you start to recognize that dualistic unity is part of the waking up process. So I'm not defeated by what I see in the world, regardless of my awareness of what's happening in the world. It doesn't drag me down, but it, it does make me want to roll up my sleeves and put up everything I can in terms of time and attention and just honest and genuine enthusiasm for everything that this is. And that might mean a conversation with you, dear listener. It might mean a one-on-one, -on -one, it could mean a group, it could mean meeting you at an event, but it's my time and my attention into my life, into letting go of the divisive mentality in me that allows me to continue to operate in the world with a degree of enthusiasm and passion. Because you see, it's for me. I'm not trying to counteract the evil. I'm not fighting the world elite. They're nothing to me. They're nothing to me because it all starts with me and it all starts with you. So again, thank you for being here. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your help because we are changing everything. Yes, because as you focus on all of those things so much, like all of those things are the branches there they're the leaves on the tree but there there is a root to all of this there is a trunk and so it's not to say cuz i would say that we're primarily focused on the trunk of that the shift in mentality it's not to say that you can never look at the branches and and look at the leaves and whatnot but when you recognize the trunk that is going to be your primary focus because that's what it's all stemming from like doesn't mean you can't occasionally pay some attention and give some attention to branches and and leaves and whatnot but most of our society is entirely focused on the branches on the leaves oh we got to we got to stop this we got to change this we got to fight this and it's like we're fighting leaves on a tree that are going to bloom somewhere else inevitably unless the trunk 
is faced. And so that's what we're doing. We're facing the trunk. We're talking about the roots. We're, we're shaking it a bit. But you know, you can't change that immediately. But you know, we're it's almost like we're changing the the type of tree that that's uh stemming certain things. Or yeah, I don't know if uh you know I'm I'm working on this analogy. Maybe it'll come into a video at some point. I don't know if it's like shifting the current tree or recognizing another tree somewhere else, but regardless. It's the trunk, it's the roots that are leading to all of the things, all of the atrocities, all of the you know, things that that happen. And, and we can, you could focus on the leaves and the branches, but what's actually going to have the most impact is shifting the trunk and the roots, shifting the mentality, recognizing in yourself, because it always starts with you, that there isn't anything wrong. You know, there isn't any way for that value to go up. And, and as you see those things, the trunk and the roots start to change, which eventually doesn't immediately change the leaves and the branches, but eventually it does. So it's having that patience and, you know, recognizing that you're eternal certainly helps with that. It makes a lot more sense to just focus on the, the branches and the leaves that make you uncomfortable when you think you're, you know, got a limited amount of time to to deal with it but if you actually want to make long lasting change that actually does something it starts with you it starts with you letting go of the idea that you're something separate from that tree nice stop feeding the tree let it wither because you can't cut it down all you're doing is feeding the stump and it'll grow back <laughs> it's just a habit right for sure um this has been a fun episode of Raw. As always, Sundays are fantastic. Uh, if you'd like to join us in 15 minutes, we would love to see you on Patreon, patreon.com slash dualisticunity. As I've said repeatedly, your support goes a long way in terms of helping us and keeping this going. Um, if you can't join us, that's just fine as well. We have a free public group every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We would love to see you there. If any of those uh, vocations or hobbies or, or if, if any of the jobs that I had mentioned earlier interest you and you'd like to talk about it or offer your services, just get in touch with us uh, either through the website and the contact form or on our community discord. We would love to hear from you and love to hear your ideas because it's really through all of us working together, all of us coming together, that this is possible. And so we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you in about 15 minutes. Bye everyone.